I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, small business advanced tax planning and compliance extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. All right. Today we are welcoming welcoming to the podcast Echo Hong. Echo is the founder and president of Echo Wealth Management and the author of Own Your Future. Echo left China at age 20 to cross the ocean with nothing but $800 and the hope of achieving the American dream. Her courage and dedication fueled her journey through the business world over the next 20 years, getting experience working in financial planning firms of all size before venturing off on her own. Today, Echo helps the country's top executives and entrepreneurs take the complexity out of their finances, giving them the confidence to follow their dreams and achieve their goals. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me here today. Absolutely. Um, Echo is also a CPA, so we're going to try to keep it high level, guys, but well, you never know. <laughs> I'm a recovering CPA. So <laughs> I, I, I always love how people are like, I'm a recovering CPA. Like It's like being an alcoholic or something. <laughs> Because yeah, because we I I changed my career path. <laughs> it's so funny because I don't know I can't think of any other any other industry where people are like I'm a recovering, mm-hmm. you know, warehouse manager or something. No, it's always a recovering CPA. That I, I have heard that from somebody and then I just borrowed it. I, was I like, know. Yeah, I kind of yeah I am because I still have CPA license. Mm-hmm. But I'm not preparing tax return or doing auditing. So I have to kind of tell people that, no, I'm not what you think. I, what I, you know, I do something different now uh, yeah. to help people manage money instead. Yeah. One of the things I really work on, especially like on this podcast and I work with, I'm on the Intuit Tax Council and I talk with Intuit too. It's just like, we need to talk about what accounting professionals actually do more often because yeah. people are very confused. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't just do tax returns. Like- there's a spectrum of services, you know, yeah. from really that, you know, nitty gritty data entry payroll to like mm-hmm. really high level planning. So like, there's really a large spectrum. I mean, you will meet CPAs who have never seen a tax return in their life. Exactly. Like they don't even <laughs> do their own, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's just a large spectrum of what we focus on or what we do. Um, and there's a lot of different designations too that do tax returns and don't do tax returns and do like some states even have like chartered accountant things. I just, you know. Yeah. I think you're right. Probably say similar in other countries too. They have mm-hmm. different, you know, designation for uh, accountants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, just because you're a CPA doesn't mean you're a tax expert. <laughs> you're exactly right. Actually, even though I did tax return for four years, but that was 20 some years ago. So don't hire me to do your tax return <laughs> a lot has changed since then echo exactly yeah <laughs> awesome um so echo what was your first job oh um well i was born and raised in china so mm-hmm. uh in the city of shenzhen when i was let's see my family moved to the city of shenzhen on the border of hong kong when i was 12 and i remember uh in the summer I maybe when I was 17 or 16, um, I worked for a in a factory doing the assembling of uh, uh, you know the pantyhoses. Yeah. Imagine 
the Penny Hoses production, I was just, you know, standing there and package the Penny Hoses. That was my, that was my summer job and my full-time job, like a real job. Uh, after I finished my accounting uh, diploma in China, I was 17 and a half. And I started working for the Bank of China as an accountant. So that would be my like a full-time job working for the Bank of China in Shenzhen. My husband's been in Shenzhen. Hey, what what the what did he say about Shenzhen? Um, he he uh, worked. He was doing. He was there to do some manufacturing stuff. He's an engineer. He's a design engineer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. He has mixed feelings. I mean, China is just so different than the United yeah. States that I think a lot of like he was there three times, mm-hmm. and I think like the first two were just like shell shock, mm-hmm. like culture shock for him. Yeah. Um, but I think he really. It, I feel like his like his third trip, he like came home with stuff for us and like told us about the food, and I was just like, okay, <laughs> you're a little be like, you know, he yeah. like, Kind of was like, Shenzhen, okay, you knew what to do. Shenzhen is very different. Uh, when we moved in there uh, in the 80s, uh, population was about 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. And now if you talk to people in Shenzhen, they are saying somewhere like 17 million people. So Shenzhen is the poster child for uh, the opening up policy in China and the city completely transformed looking very similar to Hong Kong, uh, probably surpassing Hong Kong. And uh, so I went back several times in the past 20 some years. I was shocked. Yeah, even the recent trip, uh, I brought my daughter back there. So her first trip, uh, after visiting five cities in China, uh, Shenzhen was the last stop. And she mm-hmm. told me Shenzhen was her favorite city in China. Awesome. From her perspective, it's very clean, very modern. And um, it's hard to imagine that many people living in such a huge city. And mm-hmm. it was very organized and high, I would say high-tech, high-tech yeah. city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to go. Huh? on my list of places oh yeah of visit. course great food that's 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 a given you know in a very uh diverse uh i would say diverse uh city in china yeah we we actually have um we have, we have a chinese food restaurant right down here and they have a they have like a traditional menu yeah and yeah so my not husband, the americanized not well, the americanized. they have both <laughs> they have both right yeah. you walk in and it's like mm-hmm you know, your white people will give you the regular one, yeah. but we always ask for the traditional one too. Yeah. Um, Cause mm-hmm. there's always a large, there's always like families and yes. like, you know, tradi- off the traditional, like in there ordering off the traditional menu, you know, mm-hmm. obviously not, you know, Americanized, but you know, there's, there, there's actual, like you can tell it's actually the, the traditional foods. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were there one time. My husband's like, can I get a traditional menu? Cause he saw something on one of his, their tables. <laughs> yes. I can't remember what it was, but we always order it. No, yeah. we haven't been there for a while, but mm-hmm. we always order off both menus. Cause he's like, this is really yeah. good. And it is whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. I'm just like, okay, I'll eat anything. So I'm easy. And I'm like, I believe you. So tell us about your career journey and how you ended up in wealth management. Wow. Um, I know it's a long story, uh, but I'm going to make it brief. Um, 
Well, first, when I came to the U.S. as a foreign student, uh, my I chose major finance major initially. I was always interested in banking, finance, and uh, I started in uh, University of Idaho in a little town called Moscow, Idaho, because mm-hmm. my uncle was there uh, oh. doing research in chemistry, and he was the only person I knew at that time in the U.S., so I stayed with his family for a year, and then I found a scholarship to transfer to Winona State University in Minnesota, just a couple hours south from here, uh, yeah. from the Twin City. And uh, I was able to uh, pay resident tuition as a foreign student, saving several thousand dollars in tuition each year. And that was the main reason I ended up in Minnesota. Um, I changed my major before graduation because uh, my concern about job market. As a foreign student, I only had 12 months after graduation to look for a job. Otherwise, I would have to return to my home country without anything to show for. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, one of my professors told me that if you pass the CPA exam, you are pretty much guaranteed to have a job. And I still believe that is a true statement. Um, true. So I passed the CPA exam. I worked for KPMG, Pete mm-hmm. Marwick, at that time was one of the big six accounting firms in the world uh, in Minneapolis office. So, so my career path was like started in accounting because of the accounting major. I did financial, I did auditing uh, in financial services for nine months. Oh, wow. I didn't enjoy that. After nine months, I just didn't enjoy living in the hotel kind of lifestyle. <laughs> just remember, I was pretty young and I traveled and Auditors I, just, are... I was on the road all the time. And I just didn't think that would be my like long-term passion. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get a few interviews within KPMG uh, at, uh, with uh, partners in personal financial planning group that was under the tax services. Mm-hmm. And uh, about 20 people uh, in that group in downtown Minneapolis. And I was able to change my career and say, okay, I, I think I like the financial planning, like for personal financial planning mm-hmm. more than auditing financial statement. So I make that switch when uh, in 97. I really enjoy the financial planning aspect of my job and including tax planning for corporate executives and wealthy families. Mm -hmm. Uh, I became the senior tax uh, specialist within three years. Uh, The the part I didn't enjoy was tax season. I just decided, uh, as you could imagine, I really couldn't take any time off from Valentine's Day to April 15th. After three tax seasons, I just thought to myself, uh, can I make some kind of change in my career to do more of the financial planning mm-hmm. and get, just get rid of the tax return preparation, but add more investment management, insurance, and do more comprehensive financial services. Mm-hmm. So I made a very critical uh, decision in 2000 to leave the public accounting industry to become a financial advisor at that time with a large firm called RSL McLaudry. Just to, as I said, you know, I was paid as a salary financial advisor. Mm-hmm. So I was there for three years to help the CPA firm start the wealth management service with my boss at that time. Just two of us started something brand new in downtown Minneapolis for a very large mm-hmm. CPA firm. 
it was a great learning experience for three years. And then um, in 2003, I decided to become a business owner, just like any financial advisor, you have to find a firm that would accept you. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I chose LPL Financial. And at that time, it was a much smaller firm, uh, unlike today. It, it was an independent financial uh, services firm uh, without its own proprietary mutual funds to sell. So I felt like, okay, I need to start somewhere. And that's how I landed in the, being a business owner on my own. I think I was 32 years old and trying to just figure out how I'm going to survive. It, it, just being a financial advisor, especially, um, you know, financial services, I think, women and especially Asian women, immigrant, I call myself like triple minority mm-hmm. in my industry. I simply didn't have role models to follow at all. Um, I would say, you know, that was a critical uh, change in my career. Uh, but I think what I really utilized at the beginning of my career was my uh, accounting background and the skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I pay attention to cash flow. So this part was, you know, doing auditing, we audit big companies' financial statement. You, we yeah. must look at cash flow, right? Cash flow is everything. And for personal side, and what I have learned was during the market crash in 2000, when I first got into the industry, many investors forgot the stock market. They could lose so much money in the stock market because they made so much money in the 90s without much volatility. So, but the dot-com boom obviously busted and uh, many people lost like 75% in NASDAQ because of all technology stocks, you know, were crashed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I utilized uh, cash flow-based financial planning to help people understand the, on the personal side their own cash inflows and outflows, and I project it out to age 90 or 95 mm-hmm. so that they can visually see where they get the money to pay their bills for the next five to six years, for example. Mm-hmm. Because during market downturn, that's how long it takes the stock market to recover. So it was much easier if I actually convince them to allow me to prepare a financial plan for them because financial planning was a very new thing in 2000. And, uh, you know, most, I think in my industry, most financial advisors at that time were mainly talking about diversification as allocation using mutual funds. So mm-hmm. don't, don't buy a few internet stock. Let's just go for diversification. But that's not all of it. In order for investors to manage their emotions not to make the wrong decisions during market crash, right? Sell low and then buy high. We need to help them plan ahead using cash flow. That is much, I mean, to me, I think much easier way to build the trust through the financial planning process because I ask so many questions about who they are, mm-hmm. their resources and their goals and their you know dreams and passions. Then when I custom build their financial plan mm-hmm. after it's done they feel like i know everything about them so i i think as a 32 years old mm-hmm. i really really value that experience of building the trust through financial planning versus selling a particular product 
because after the planning is done and I have I analyze the thing and present solutions, for example, to their problems, right? Help them solve the problems. The implementation side, it can be done with my assistants. If they trust me, I can manage the money for them proactively by opening accounts. But also a lot of people have their money in 401k. They need people give them advice to manage the biggest part of their retirement fund. So that's why I think early on in my career, I, I started out with planning in mind mm -hmm. and then implementation is after. And then when they have the trusting relationship, I can be more proactive and effective in ongoing monitoring of their financial picture. Mm -hmm. And I really early on, I, I knew that was important. Mm -hmm. So even though I didn't have any minimum, uh, you know, in terms of opening an account, yeah, I just did my best to convince them at that time, imagine early 2000, I just want them to go through the process. I was charging $500 to $750 for a financial plan. Yikes. I, not very much. I, it was not much, but just imagine that I think early on, mm -hmm. people don't know what financial planning is. I think still today, that's what I'm coming on to your show to talk about. Yeah, and you and I were talking. people don't know. People don't know what it is. So when they ask you, oh, what do you do? I'm like, yeah, I'm a financial advisor. And just based on that description, most people will, will think of a couple things. One is, oh, you pick stock and bonds and trade in client portfolio. Mm -hmm. And you know, the other one could be, oh, you're selling insurance. You know, yeah. there are pretty much about two things that come to people's mind if you say I'm a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just so important for me who believes in financial planning is a critical part of the service. Mm -hmm. And I intentionally break it apart. So investment management is separate from the financial planning. And I think over the years, let's just say fast forward, mm -hmm. I, you know, I was managing $20 million uh, as a solo practitioner. And then after my daughter was born 16 years ago, I merged my practice with another small company in town. And uh, I became a minority owner of that mm -hmm. business for almost one decade. And then uh, six years ago, now it's more than six years ago, I decided to leave that firm and start my own company, Echo Wealth Management, as an independent Worcestershire mm -hmm. investment advisor. And currently, my team and I manage $140 million for 81 clients. Um, most of them are Minnesota, but we also have many clients who move to other states and other mm -hmm. countries. And so this is what I do now is fully like embracing uh, in-depth uh, financial planning and customized uh, portfolio management in-house to provide that seamless experience to our clients. I love that so much. And a lot of what you talk about is how we do things, right? So we do things plan first. Yeah. What do you want? What are your goals? How do we get there? You know, let's create that relationship, that value up front. Um, <laughs> And then implementation is our next step as well. And I always tell people after you play for the planning, you're welcome to take the plan somewhere else. I don't mm -hmm. really care. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to make sure we can save you as much in dollars as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to bring you through this process because on the back end, right. Yes. We know what you want. We know how to help you 
Mm-hmm. We know what's happening going forward. We can advise you if you yeah. want to make moves or changes or things come up. But if we know where you're going, we can make better recommendations, which is exactly how you work. That's why I think you and I are very much on the same page about yes. you know, why people need to talk to a CPA if they don't need a tax return or they only they think a tax return is part of it. Mm-hmm. So you, you definitely take that approach to, you know, tax return is part of it, but that's not all of it. We do that so last. I, yeah, I have the approach of, of course, generating return is important to help you achieve your goal. There's no mm-hmm. question you should be investing wisely, but that's mm-hmm. not the only thing I do. And um, many people, um, you know, of course, my long-term clients uh, as we reflect and, and say, wow, we have, I have helped several clients planning for retirement in the past year. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, you know, pandemic and everything and people are pulling trigger and say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, this is my plan. It's work. Mm-hmm. That's right. Without planning, it would be scary for people to do that. But when we have a plan, we use the e-money advisor tool and they are able to see their cash flow projection on their own book in their own portal. Mm-hmm. all the way the, the detail to age 95 and the values are updated every night. So of course, we, they anticipate some volatility, mm-hmm. but with the right design, some investments should be able to pay for their five to six lifestyle, you know, living expenses without selling the stocks at huge loss after market crash. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really important for me to, introduce this concept to people and say, no matter how much money you have or how little money you have, financial planning is the first thing you need. And it's mm-hmm. not just one product, it's a process and it's ongoing because mm-hmm. your goals can change and your financial situations can change. Mm-hmm. It really is about the cash, right? And I always like to tell people like, what would you do with your business if you had mm-hmm. the cash? Where, where do you want to go mm-hmm. and how do we help you get there faster by tax savings, by tax strategy? Yeah. It really is very similar to what you guys do. And really at the end, it's just like, a pot, like, you know, here's your ROI on your cash, mm-hmm. you know, spent, yeah. you know, spent money for us, but like we've saved you this much and you can go put that towards your goals. Mm-hmm. And I say this all the time, but I, you know, people are always like, well, how can I save taxes? Okay. But for what? Mm-hmm. what are you going to do with those dollars? Oh, you want to go expand or you want to go mm-hmm. do this or you want to go do, okay, well, that's a purpose. That's a reason to tax plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just saving taxes, isn't a goal. <laughs> you are exactly right. And you know what? The goals should be defined by that person individually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why just, I, yeah, we are just there. Well, first I think formalize, you know, especially husband and wife, we, you know, if they feel that there is a safe space to talk about it, you know, they may not sit sit together, just talk to each other, but it's good to be able to, you know, be provide that safe environment for both to talk about their own individual goals. And then, so I can be the person and say, okay, based on what I have heard, Mm -hmm. these are your goals and the priorities. And then, you know, use my professional judgment experience and the tools to present the you know multiple solutions right Mm -hmm. multiple ways to get to their goals and in the end they will provide feedback to me and say how to tweak this one so it's very rewarding to be able to 
help people to initiate this mm-hmm. kind of project and then mm-hmm. they own it. And then yeah. in the end, you'll come back and check on it and see what progress they have made. I think it's for them, it's definitely motivating because you know money is such a hard topic for anybody to talk about, mm-hmm. especially when people don't have that financial education and confidence. Sometimes they don't know what questions to ask and they don't want to sound like dumb, right? Mm-hmm. So it's always, I think, important to educate and inspire people mm-hmm. to start financial planning and looking for the right financial advisor and wealth managers mm-hmm. to, to guide them along the process. And of course, they need a team to help them, especially busy business owners I think- who don't have much time. I think you just spoke to like one of the biggest aspects of what like a proper advisor does. And part of that is like literally therapy. Yeah. Like we like, we'll break it down. We'll repeat it. We'll make sure everybody's on the same page. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like it's like asking the questions, the hard questions and making sure that, you know, people are actually answering them for us Um, because we can't, you know, we got to get people on the same page. So Mm -hmm. a really good advisor who is doing some of that mental and energy and energetic work for you is going to really help you figure out where you, where you're going and how to get there. Yeah. And also keep in mind that um, financial planning is complex, right? Because there are just so many variables in any projections. And um, I think for business owners or entrepreneurs who are so driven to do their best to drive the business and run mm-hmm. a business successfully, on the personal side, they, they may not have the expertise and even and, you know, any experience to see this. But for experienced financial advisors, or for example, like what you do, if you have mm-hmm. seen businesses different situations many times you have so many tools in your toolbox Mm -hmm. and like me if I have seen various complex situations and there are many ways to solve that yeah I think people come to us to make their life simple Mm -hmm. so our goal is to take the complexity out of wealth management Mm -hmm. so whatever I can do to bring you know be able to see why it's complicated Mm -hmm. but try our best to use the technology as i mentioned using echo dashboard and then when they can see cash flow inflow and outflow like that that's just they don't have it you know as a guide how do i get to the day i can actually decide to sell my business how much do i need to sell it for Mm -hmm. and i feel like if i do the personal side correctly Mm-hmm. They could, they can get to that business sell decision much easier because first on the personal side, we are doing enough questioning to find out their lifestyle because we actually enter the living expenses mm-hmm. as detailed as possible. We can customize it for a different stage of life too. Mm-hmm. And then once we reflect that, we, we can help them calculate how much they really need in a portfolio in order to have generate enough return for the rest of their life. And if yeah. they have legacy goals, we could build that in to you know, pass on certain assets to either loved ones or charities. So I think with that clarity, business owners will be able to make better decisions on the selling side. Right. Also do the better tax planning. <laughs> like, you know, because they can actually know how much they really need for their personal lifestyle. 
Yeah. Um, I always say like, if we don't know what a client wants, so we can't make suggestions, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I work and I've talked about this a couple of times, but I, I have a mentor that I work with and he was like, yeah. So he was like, how do we save this guy money? The guy's real estate. He wants to buy more real estate. He's like, I'm thinking I'll have him put it in the sup. And I'm like, you're going to have him put money in a sup buyer ray instead of, he wants to go buy more real estate. Mm-hmm. Like don't take his cash yeah. and put it in a place he can't get to it. <laughs> <laughs> there are nightmare situations related to IRAs and dealing yeah. with the real estate that you yeah. are trying to manage yourself. Because the tax savings on that doesn't work towards his goals, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if we know where the client wants to go, we can help them get there personally, professionally, whatever, because we've, we've worked with them and their teams. Yeah. They also have you know, wealth management, financial planners to make the business work for them. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of us have business owners. We know that the business runs us, <laughs> you know, yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. I, I, um, I remember that too. I think early yeah. on in my career, it was yeah. even harder, right? Because so hard. I was by myself. Yeah. Initially. And it's like, we got to do everything. We got to do emails. We got to do billing. <laughs> we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to, you know, go get the mail. We got to, you know, we got to do all these things. Yeah. But if, if we're using our business as a means to an end, which really our current generations are really like see more now, like it's not just, I'm going to die at my desk. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're using our businesses to get us somewhere personally, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> then we need to know where you're going personally. Right. And yeah. it's so funny. Cause I get people all the time. I'll be like, okay, so what's your goal? And they're like, well, I'll keep all my dollars. Okay. But what for, for what personally, like, what do you yeah. want? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. How are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. You know? And they'll be like, Oh, well, I'm going to sell my practice and I'm going to go, I want the vacation home here. And we're going to do some other stuff here. And it's like, okay, you have a plan. How much do you need for that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I have like this much to work with in strategy. Yeah. Okay. But if you have the proper expert, mm-hmm who knows what to do and knows how to run your dash flows, right. Or save those <laughs> exactly. flows for you. Yeah. And you can say, here's my inputs, you know, or we can say, what is your inputs? And we can say, here's what's important for you. Here's the strategies mm-hmm. that are going to save you dollars, move you forward on these things. Yeah. Um, but if we don't know that, then you're going to get generic advice, like put your money in a SEP IRA or go buy some, go buy a truck that you don't <laughs> need on December 12th or December 31st, yeah. stick it in your driveway. Never mind the potential repercussions if you never actually drive that thing for business. That's, not, that's, um, a, bad, that's a bad, obviously a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> you don't um, even need a truck for the business. Yeah, the, the generic advice isn't for you if you mm-hmm. actually want to go someplace beyond generic, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where we're getting to. Um, but I'll have people like call me. No, you need a truck. Well, I have a newer car. Okay. But what do you need the truck for? Well, it'll save me tax dollars. Okay. That is the laziest tax planning that can ever happen. Yeah. Right. Let's go buy something to save tax money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to save 30% on that dollar. Not a good strategy. Why don't you keep the yeah. dollar? <laughs> Because the cash flow is just so important for business owners, right? Mm-hmm. It every, is. every dollar, if it's not helping you grow the business or stabilize the business during pandemic, mm-hmm. that is putting business at risk. 
Yeah. And then, and then we get in this cycle of like, okay, well, mm-hmm. then we have to buy new equipment at the end of every single mm-hmm. year because we've got to replace ourselves in this place mm-hmm. where we're relying on that cash mm-hmm. dollar savings. Mm-hmm. What? Stop. Stop the bad news. <laughs> um, so Echo, you focus on helping women in their financial success. What are some of your top tips for women to improve their financial situation? I think for women, first women need to realize that uh, there are more obstacles for them mm-hmm. to achieve financial freedom. And mm-hmm. we all know that we don't, you know, average women do not make as much as men, even with the same qualification. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, number one tips is start saving and planning early in your career. Mm-hmm. Like don't leave it to your future husband or Prince Charming to help you start planning. So Mm -hmm. I would say first thing is start saving as early as possible, um, especially when you uh, start a job with 401k matching. Certainly do not leave any money on the table. Put in as much as you can to get the matching. Mm -hmm. And then if you're able to save more, I think for a lot of younger people, you need to take advantage of Roth IRA when they can do it because Mm -hmm. tax-free. In the future, if you make a lot of income someday, you cannot do that anymore. So mm-hmm. that's one thing. And then the second tips I have is um, for people, uh, certainly look for the right people to guide you along the process. Mm-hmm. I think women in general are traditionally leave investment decisions to husband or other men in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they normally manage the checkbook, like paying bills. I, I highly suggest that women need to get a little bit more financial education. Uh, I'm sure we do not provide that in K-12 uh, in terms of understanding why you need to take advantage of magic of compounding mm-hmm. and have basic principles of investing like dollar cost averaging, diversification, so that women can build that confidence in terms of even talking to a financial advisor about making the right decisions. And I think women tend to leave that to men. And I think that has to change. And I'm certainly hoping more people will, will start planning, even with the right professional help, they should put, you know, a married couple should really go to the advisor together. So the woman's voice can be heard, because Mm -hmm. that plan is so critical right to have both people's input and Mm -hmm. women have women are more likely to live I mean to live longer than men so at some point you may just have to be in charge of your own financial future so I think the earlier uh, women start learning more about financial planning investing principle and having a trusted financial advisor or wealth manager to guide them through the process mm-hmm. is extremely critical because the financial world is getting more and more complex. And we, we want people to utilize the experts like tax CPAs, mm-hmm. uh, attorneys to make sure you have the right proper estate documents, especially during pandemic right now. Mm-hmm. And women tend to be more concerned about long-term care. And um, that's where I also make sure that I review their situation. And if the long-term care insurance is one of the solutions 
definitely need to bring that to the table for clients to consider because the cost of care is just so getting so high right now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't want to think about it. So as a wealth manager, I want to identify all kinds of risk and then suggest what kind of ways uh, to mitigate the risk, right? So review the insurance, of course, for women, I think life insurance, disability insurance, and potentially long-term care insurance, and also with work with trusted financial advisor and the estate attorney to put all the proper legal documents in place. Mm -hmm. Financial power of attorney may be set up trust to avoid probate, and you must have a uh, you know healthcare directive is so critical. With a business, you need to work on succession planning. So this is not just for women, but I would mm -hmm. say if women are not aware of all these risks, if the worst thing that could happen is the widow calls the wealth manager when the husband dies and there was nothing in place. And mm -hmm. that would be very tragic because as imagined, business owners built their business value you don't want a business to go on fire sale. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think for women, my tips would be um, get more educated. And that's another reason I wrote a book, Own Your Future. Mm -hmm. It was released during pandemic last year in June. So in June, 2020, the title is Own Your Future. Um, one woman's uh, story of immigration and financial freedom. Mm -hmm. I wrote this book to educate and inspire more people to start financial planning. Because mm -hmm. personally, I cannot serve them as their financial advisor, right? Not every single person, but I believe that if I can write a book to share my personal struggle and lessons learned, mm -hmm. that was mainly the first two chapter, you know? And then the rest of the book just go into every area of financial planning and showing clients that uh, with our case studies for our clients and so that they can kind of see what a fiduciary financial advisor does behind mm -hmm. the scene to help people get to their goals sooner. Yeah. Um, so that's kind that. of like my, my, my passion right now. Uh, mm -hmm. As I, over the years, of course, I have continued learning Mm -hmm. uh, so after CPA, I, I got a certified financial planner uh, before age 30. Mm -hmm. And then in my 40s, I studied for the Charter Financial Analyst, the CFA designation, mm -hmm. uh, focused more on portfolio management in-house. Mm -hmm. And so I can tell people that, you know, we, the world is changing so quickly. So I would advise women to invest in themselves. Mm -hmm because regardless what job they are at right now just keep the open mind and be adaptable and continue to invest in themselves to acquire new skill set and in the future I think they have more opportunities to earn more mm -hmm. and also get to what I consider you know work-life balance when you have the freedom to make decisions on whether you need to work until 65 or not. I think starting early is always a good, uh, good tip. Starting yeah. financial planning early, no matter what your situation is right now. I mean, odds are you're going to outlive your spouse. Yes. Would you rather learn this stuff now? Yeah. Or 20, 30, 40 years from now? 
it's a very scary situation. It is a very scary situation. I have seen widows who who were completely lost, mm-hmm. like didn't even know how to write a check, like writing checks. I never had to do that. And yeah, it's really, it's it's hard. It's a hard transition to to understand what needs to happen, or even have an idea of what needs to happen, and then trust somebody to help you with it. Um, mm-hmm. We have a client. Um, she left her husband. I, it's been a while. And I've been like, financial advisor, are you ready yet? <laughs> like every year. I'm like, I'll go with you. I'll go yeah. with you. We could do the thing. And it just took her a while to really feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's fine. And I told her, I said, no decision is a decision. When you're ready, it's fine. You know, mm-hmm. but she was very left adrift when her husband passed. Um, and she knew she would be. Um, but yeah, she handled absolutely everything. And it was, it was hard. It was that compounding that, you know, putting that on your spouse, mm-hmm. you know, men out there, if your wife doesn't know, if your spouse doesn't know how to log into your financial stuff and they don't know what's going on, yeah, that's a major burden you're putting on them when you leave them or if you die or whatever, like, yeah, it has to stop. I agree. One of my top clients came to me about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. He was very financial savvy. He did everything himself to grow, I mean, very significant wealth. And I asked why you chose me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, I, I just believe, I mean, the philosophy, I, I, we align in terms mm-hmm. of make sure that I make sure I bring in the spouse into this whole discussion. Mm-hmm. So he said, I know that if I die, my, my wife feel comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, knowing there is a plan in place. You just lock online. You can see Echo Dashboard, current mm-hmm. balance sheet projected into the future and the cash flow. Yeah. And, you know, I think for, for the men out there, just remember that the planning you do right now, it's worth so much more than just money. Mm-hmm. It's, Someday, how do you put a price on peace of mind, you know, for your family members and could be for your spouse and your children or grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And um, same thing when I was talking to people about long-term care planning. And I said, what right now, what you're doing may cost you several thousand dollars. Remember, you got, got to work with an attorney and make sure you have the proper documents and everything. And I'm like, okay, long-term, do you know how much, it, not just the, cause of the estate administration mm-hmm. you know, just imagine all the pain people had to go through to settle the estate could be in multiple states when they don't put the property in the trust and it's just like yeah i i think well, i just tell them i was like why don't you just treat this several thousand dollars as a gift to your children you tell them during thanksgiving dinner and say hey you know we have done all this planning with our financial advisor and estate attorney and the tax CPA mm-hmm. and we have a plan in place to address the contingencies and, and you just uh, go down the list and do the do the things yes I I think I I think I feel most fulfilling uh, about my job is to reflect on the client situations when they first came to me and mm-hmm. where they were and now it's kind of like, well, you know, I've been in the industry for more than 20 some years and be able to remember 
now they are moving into the next phase of life. So a lot of my clients initially were 40. Mm-hmm. Now they are in the 60 or close to 60. So it's, it's really very rewarding to be able to see that. And then we are also helping their children um, mm-hmm. plan for their future because of the trust that we have built. So I think in the long term, it's so important to spread the message of financial planning and w- building the dream team. The mm-hmm. way I describe in my book, I have one chapter about building the dream team mm-hmm. and talking about what kind of people, you know, the CPA and insurance agent and, mm-hmm. you know, certain expert like business valuation expert mm-hmm. to the table to help uh, with the business succession plan and with the estate tax and, give tax changes on the horizon, it's even more important for them to come to the table and say, you know, Echo, if we don't do anything, we just pay, what, 60% extra taxes for no reason someday down the road? Um, Yeah, so I think uh, it's even more urgent for business owners to, to plan for that now. I think, I think that speaks to something I talk to talk about all the time here, which is, you know, build your advisory team. Yeah. Your team of experts, you know, it could be whatever. It could be your mentors, it could be your CBA, it could be your computer, whatever. But if you're trying to do everything in house or you're trying to do everything with one person, you're going to miss out on stuff. Mm-hmm. You're going to miss out on the expertise of the people who are experts and what they do. So you're going to get something mediocre instead of something stellar. Yeah. Um, so really, I, I actually had somebody be like, well, I want to do my bookkeeping my, and, and, and my payroll and tax stuff and then also do you do like formation stuff and and also financial advising like they literally wanted to bring everything under house on, on, like in-house and i'm like no i'm a tax strategist yeah that's what we do we'll do we do also do bookkeeping because that's the easiest way for, for me to get the dollars so that i can strategize yeah. but beyond that no <laughs> because yeah. why i would not mm-hmm. how would we keep up with all of that in house yeah I think focus on what you are great at and outsource the rest. And Mm -hmm. that's what I have built a business too. Uh, Mm -hmm. I outsource technology, Mm -hmm. outsource compliance. Mm -hmm. I outsource marketing now. So I focus on more relationship building and on more advanced wealth planning strategies. And um, that's where, that's where I believe clients, why they hire me, you know, they, they don't hire me for tax return. I work with CPAs, so I can read the tax return very well. Uh, that's actually what I do every single time. I just read the tax return. I, I think it really helped me understand where they are. It just mm-hmm. read the tax return and say, okay, I can understand where they have investment and mm-hmm. what income they're getting. And the tax return tells us a lot. Absolutely. That's a lot about what you've done in the past it tells us yeah. a lot about what you got going on now <laughs> it tells right. us where you need to go in the future yeah i think that's the ball sometimes yeah that is the advantage i think for you and me who understand the tax returns mm-hmm. you see what i mean because i know it it seems uh, you know not a lot of people will actually read tax returns uh, but i i do find it you know, interesting. Um, I don't want to prepare it uh, all day long. <laughs> I don't want to do it all day long. But when we have a client who comes, 
that's why we we always ask for a copy of tax returns mm -hmm. because sometimes people don't know what to tell you about their own stories. Mm -hmm. But the tax return, what I have, it adds another layer of color yeah. that may not just come out of their mouth, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. sometimes we just have to ask the right questions to get mm -hmm. the answers, right? Yeah. Tax return tells us if you're charitable or not. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the tax return tells us if you value other experts. Mm -hmm. The tax return tells us a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. Um, which makes what we do extremely different from the person who data entered your tax return. Because for them, yeah. it's just numbers in a form. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, well, strategies is, is what they want. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we want a story. We want uh, just to know deeper about mm -hmm. what their goals and what their motivations are. Mm -hmm. um, and then figure out what can we do now to plan for their future. Yeah. And um, yeah, definitely quite different than data entry or just fill out the forms on yeah. tax season. I love, I love, and I know you do this too, but it's, I ask clients to tell us where they spend their, what, how they spend their lifetime, like their lifestyle dollars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I always say, I don't care how much you spend on designer cat food. It's like been yeah. on the website. I don't care. Like mm -hmm. we have no judgment about that. It just tells us where your priorities are. So we yeah. can help you move towards those priorities. Your mm -hmm. priorities are what they are, what they are. Yeah. Um, and what, you know, what do you value? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. How do we move towards more of that for you? Yeah, so I think um, that's why I told them there's homework to do because um, yes. we don't want to make up any numbers of your living expenses. Mm -hmm. I, I tell them even your guesstimate is probably better than mine because mm -hmm. you can always look at your annual statement of your credit card and come up with what the total is. Right, I love that. <laughs> because, because in the end, you know, hey, that's the number we don't want to make up and we already have made many assumptions about rate of return, mm -hmm. the risk profile, yep. and inflation, mm -hmm. and longevity, like your life expectancy, just based right. on talking to them and just looking at them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, living expenses is their homework. Yeah, that to that's, us, that's the homework. You yeah. must begin the relationship. Yeah, I won't do a tax plan without understanding what they, where they put their personal dollars Yeah, beyond the business because maybe that's incongruent with what they're telling me they want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's, there's so many data points with dollars with what you do with your dollars. Mm -hmm. um, you know, money's energy. I firmly believe that. And we put our money, whether where, where we want to put it, whether mm -hmm. good or bad. Yeah. Um, and again, no judgment around what you do with your money for good for your benefit or not for your benefit. It tells us what, Mm -hmm. what you value um and that you know it's just data points um and i think people don't and that's why the cash flow stuff is so important so cash is yes. king what do you need your cash for mm -hmm. how do we get to more of it um but if we know what you want it for we can help you get it in the way that makes the most sense for you yeah i think it's personal Personal financial planning is definitely personal. That's why I have to tell them right from the beginning, you know, mm -hmm. hey, maybe nobody has asked you these questions before. And yeah. I'm probably the first one. Yeah. And, and that's why I like when I get a generic tax question, I'm like, 
I don't know. That depends on so many, so many factors. Yeah. Set up a time because it's personal. It's personalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so before I ask you the our final question, um, what is the easiest way to find you? Um, I would encourage you to visit my personal website. That's onyourfuture.guru. So on your future is the title of the book. Mm-hmm. Guru is G-U-R-U. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I want to be a financial guru uh, for many people. And from that. there, you can uh, purchase the book uh, on Amazon. And um, I believe I, the book has received more than 50 very positive reviews and um, and people can connect with me on all the social media facebook linkedin um instagram and twitter right from the website onyourfuture.guru i love it thank you and congratulations on the book i know when we originally talked you're like the book's coming and i was like yes i love it yeah it's it was definitely challenging to you know there was no book launching party or anything but as we all know people are spending a lot more time on their computer and um it's one way to do it is try to spread the message uh using a podcast like yours Mm -hmm. and also just talk to people and use digital marketing um and i certainly hope more people connect with me or if I cannot be their financial advisor, I certainly can point to the right places for them to search for the right one. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just important for me to help more people out there. And I think writing a book is one way to get mm-hmm. the lessons learned out there. So good. I love it. Um, so final question for you. What is the one financial move every person um, needs to make sure that they have figured out or completed? Wow, one financial move. As you can see, I have so many on the I know you do. What's your number one? (sighs) Number one, everybody needs to figure out, needs to have specific budget they are going to stick with, Mm -hmm. understanding how much they are saving for their future. I think that's probably most important because that would help you live below your means, mm-hmm. put the pay yourself first on your budget, meaning that for various goals, you understand why you go to work because you want the money work harder than you are someday. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, you actually have to have, you have to save first. So mm-hmm. I would have to say, everyone need to figure out a specific amount of money they need to save and invest for their future by creating a budget that they are going to stick with. I love it. Thank you so much, Echo. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.